podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another episode of Bosco's Boys, and you know it's going to be a good one when we're talking about a win over the Iowa State Cyclones. Before we jump into the episode, excuse me, you know them, you love them, they are the best craft brewery in the entire state of Kansas, that is Manhattan Brewing Company. Fat Tuesday is almost here, folks, and they are going to have the best Fat Tuesday party in the entire state of Kansas. Not only do they have all of their great craft beers on tap, they're going to have some special ones for the occasion as well as some signature cocktails and some of the best Cajun food around. So make sure to check out Manhattan Brewery or Manhattan Brewing Company, excuse me, on this Fat Tuesday. Also, anytime K-State basketball is playing, make sure you get in there, dollar off, Tang time pints during the game. And then, as always, on Tuesdays, they have their Towny Tuesday specials where you're getting discounts on their 24 ounce pours of the best wheat beer in the entire region. You will thank me later. I promise. All right, this is an exciting episode of Bosco's Boys back on the winning train after. Uh, just a, a really bad run of it in basketball. Uh, and, and one win doesn't fix it. I mean, we have a massive game uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on release day, uh, hosting the Baylor Bears for, uh, I, I'd imagine K-State is still in the top 20, so another uh, top 20 matchup in Bramlage Coliseum. And uh, where I think we're going to start, because I think it's going to, really uh, frame up the conversation about the Iowa State game and, uh, quite frankly, rest of the regular season is uh, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. They've been doing this the last few years, and uh, quite frankly, uh, I I have not really cared to pay attention because, uh, you know, it's it's been a long time since we've truly been uh, in the hunt this late into the season, and we definitely have never been uh, in this top 16 mix since they started doing this. Um, the what midway point in February, you know, on one of those Saturdays, I guess technically this is beyond the midway point, but you guys get what I'm saying. They've been uh, the the selection committee has gotten together and kind of laid out uh, you know the top sixteen teams uh, in bracket form and K State when it was announced I wasn't watching the show I saw it on Twitter actually after the K State game they or, or maybe it was before it was before after it was before uh, had K State as a three seed uh, actually in. Uh, the West uh, in our bracket would have had KU, I think Gonzaga, K-State, and Arizona. So, 
you know, interesting. But I was a little surprised that we were the final three seed. So we were a 16 seed. We are actually behind Iowa State uh, on the seeding line. Um, so, you know, presumptively we would have jumped in front of them with that win. But I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised. I was pretty down, being honest, over really the 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 last month of K-State basketball. Now, you guys, if, if you're listening, you've heard me say some harsh things. And, and I'm going to say this. I, I think... I think a lot of folks have tried to excuse away what happened in Norman and what happened in uh, Lubbock. And I don't think you should. I, I don't think anyone should be doing that because, quite frankly, uh, losing both of those games put a nail in the coffin when you wanted to talk about uh, Big 12 championship. And, quite frankly, you win those games, you would be in the hunt for a two-seed. So I don't think people should use this as justification to excuse those away as not a big deal uh, because I think those performances were bad. That said, we are in a position where we can be playing our first two rounds either in Des Moines or in Denver. Um, and, and it's going to be close, quite frankly, because if you look at where a lot of these great teams are, you know, KU is going to be trying to uh, be playing in Des Moines. Texas, I think the closest uh, regional site for them is Denver. So there aren't going to, even if you're as a three seed, it's not a for sure thing you are going to get one of those two sites. Now, it's going to give you a shot. We are going to be in the mix to open up in Des Moines or in Denver uh, to hold. Uh, but there's still a lot to be played. That said, despite my meltdowns, despite my frustration with this team, basically since the home win versus KU, um, and, and I think what what was the uh, t- home Texas Tech win was after that at home. Uh, the Texas Tech game at home was after that, I believe. Um, things have not been great. Things have not been great since that hot start. But because of that hot start, because of how great the Big 12 is this season, um, despite all of that, despite all those bad, frustrated feelings we had, after those back-to-back, really head-scratching losses, we find ourselves in a great position down the stretch to be a three or four seed going into the NCAA tournament. And those are the seeding positions where you really get to sit back and say, all right, we can make a run to the Elite Eight. You know, hey, the expectation should be to get to that second weekend. Jerome Tang has said, uh, you know, and this is this really came up when he was talking about the non-conference scheduling um, philosophy saying that, yeah, the, the first step is making it to the NCAA tournament, but the second step is being a one, two or three seed. I think maybe four seed. He might've said like a top four seed, something like that. And if we can still find ourselves in that position, despite 
that slump, I mean, I, I would be over the moon on Selection Sunday. And it really has set you up that if you can win a handful of games down the stretch, win a game or two in Kansas City, you should be looking at something favorable come Selection Sunday. And I, I think seeing that really did, and like I said, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm kind of tired of people trying to make up the excuses uh, for some of these losses because I, I don't believe they're excusable. But it did kind of set my own mind right. It did set myself up to say, all right, Scott, have a little bit of composure and understand uh, the rarefied air K-State currently is in. When you look at the amount of quad one wins, yes, there's like six other teams who have that many quality wins. You don't have a single bad loss. And again, you, you look at some of the, the majority of that non-conference schedule. A lot of that ended up being in quad four. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, but they they especially because you had those early wins on the road, um, you're, you're sitting in a position where you have a, a quality and caliber of wins that not many folks in the nation can. Uh, can stand up to and because of that the NCAA tournament selection committee uh is really taking note you know they have us ranked you know uh, about where uh, our highs have been with the coaches and AP poll they value us higher than Ken Palm uh, has us so so you have to be loving this human element and putting your resume up on the screen now, we've seen our struggles on the road. Those are very well documented at this point. Um, so th- that really puts a massive emph- or emphasis, and we'll talk about it a, a little bit later, on that game on Tuesday with Baylor. Um, because I don't think you can sit back and say, yeah, that Oklahoma State game, that it, that's going to be a win. Or, oh, even at West Virginia, despite some of the troubles they've been having the last few weeks, Oh, that's definitely going to be a win. But I'll say this. If, if you go 500 from here on out, if you uh, you know split the final four games and you get at least one win in Kansas City, I think you're looking at worst a five seed. Uh, you, you come out of you know this run in with a winning record, uh, I, I think you're looking at that three seed uh, at worst a four. So... I'm loving where we are sitting going into the NCAA tournament. Now let's get to the Iowa State game because uh, there's plenty of good and uh, quite frankly, and I'm going to start with it, there's plenty of bad as well. The reason why I'm not, uh, you know, standing up on a chair screaming, okay, uh, the Cats are back, this is our get, get right game, is how poor things were in the first half. And, and again, I, th- I think you have to balance a little bit of, okay, this is just what college basketball is and, uh, you know, the diagnosis of this K-State team as a whole. This, it, it hasn't mattered really who we've played. All of the non-con, 
that this team is not capable of being, you know, ha- having it turned on to 10 for the entirety of a college basketball game. Because quite frankly, the ending of that second half was, or first half, excuse me, first half was quite poor. Quite poor. And, and, and it does go back to one thing uh, that, that frustrates me with this team. They have a hard time pulling themselves out of a funk. Uh, when some sort of adversity or some sort of major moment happens inside of a game, they don't know how to snap out of it. You know, um, during this run of play, there's usually a run of, run of games uh, where something, uh, you know, during these losses, there, there's usually one moment where uh, something happens, it frustrates the team, they go into a tailspin, and they don't know how to snap themselves out of it. You know, I, I think back to, uh, you know, the game in Allen Fieldhouse where Jerome Tang gets teed up, and then from that moment on, uh, for rest of that first half, it was an absolute boat race. You know, uh, it, it is a no, no call here. It, it is a and a questionable and one there. It, it is getting worked up, uh, you know, with a referee after a no call, and then things just start to spiral. And we saw it again on Saturday. You know, Desi Sills gets called uh, for a. I mean, they called it an intentional foul or a flagrant. I don't know what the actual call was. Um, I was at the game. You don't get a lot of exp- explanation. But he sought a guy out and put his shoulder into him. And then David Gasson and uh, one of their players start jawing back and forth, and it's a double technical. At that point, we had, we had dug a little bit of a hole. We tied the game. And I think from that moment on... Uh, Iowa State goes on like a 7-0 run. And then they're up, you know, with a sizable lead at halftime. Um, and, and they could not snap out of it in that first half. Now, where I think there is some growth where, okay, maybe it's playing at home. Maybe uh, it is growth. Maybe it's just getting to halftime and truly listening to whatever Coach Tang had to say. But they were able to come out gangbusters in the second half. And they and you know the rest is history. We got the lead by the under 16 timeout. For the most part, we kept it at arm's length. Rest of the game, we saw it out, hit our free throws down the stretch, and we got another top 20 win this season. You know, it, it, they, it's another notch uh, in the bedpost when it comes to ranked wins for this ball club. And that is to be applauded. And is it as simple as just playing at home? Um, I I don't know. I, I I don't have that answer for you. Seemingly, you know, it, it might be. Uh, if you don't have that collapse versus Texas a few weeks ago, I mean, you you could probably say, yeah, w- without a doubt, playing at home, they're able to bounce back from that adversity. Um, and, and even with that loss, I, I think you can credit that. Um, I, I think maybe it's something we talk about next year in the offseason about, okay, what is it about playing at home? What is it about uh, the mentality? Why doesn't that travel? Or, hey, why were we able to get it done on the road early in the season versus later in the season? I don't know. That might be a conversation for April or May, and, and we'll have that conversation when it comes. Um, 
But the first half, quite frankly, bad. It, it was just bad. Um, you got nothing from Marquise Noel. Um, you had some turnovers. Um, no one really was scoring the ball. And uh, you got to give credit where credit's due with Iowa State. Um, they have a great defense. They have a very good defense. And, and I wanted to see us. And, and hell, we, we outscored them in transition. So it's not like we weren't trying to push the ball. But that is just something that uh, you know I was hoping to see more of uh, in that first half. Now, the second half comes. Uh, we, we play absolutely lockdown defense. Marquise Noel gets rolling uh, you know, from behind the arc. He didn't hit a single two-point shot. And um, we'll talk more about Marquise Noel's game uh, a, a little bit later. Um, but he hit big time uh, three-point shots when we needed them. He got to the rim, which is really a massive way for him to start scoring. And, you know, he didn't turn it over five times. I mean, four turnovers... Uh, with five assists, not great, but hey, it, it wasn't back-breaking like we had seen. Uh, you know, you also have to give a lot of credit to uh, Keontae Johnson, shooting just under 50%. Oh, well, hell, he was 50%. He was 6 of 12 from 2. He only shot one three-pointer. Uh, him, along with Marquise Noel, and as well as Naquan Tomlin, all had six rebounds. And I think he really played within himself. He, what, how many turnovers did Keontae end up with? He ended up with two, not great. But again, as a team, you only have 11. When you when you had been around, you know, 15 on the low end and up in the 20s uh, during this run of play, it, it, you know, 11 seems like, oh man, they didn't turn it over at all. Uh Ultimately, when you look at the two stars, I, I talked a bit about Marquise Noel. And again, the, the the plus side is, hey, he went four of nine from three. Uh, he got to the free throw line multiple times. He was eight for eight, perfect from the free throw line. But I do think, and at this point um, in his career, in this point in the season, you're probably not going to fix anything. But going, what, 0 of four from two, um, I, I think he's lost the magic when it comes to um, driving at the rim, um, getting layups, getting anything inside uh, the three-point arc. Um, he's getting swatted away. He's putting up shots that, uh, quite frankly, never look like they're going in. I, I think it, if you can get through to Marquise for one more evolution to the game is, hey, it looks like they have you figured out. You gotta find something to do uh, because these crazy circus laps aren't falling anymore. Ultimately, though, you have to give him a passing grade uh, for that game. I mean, hell, I'm not going to go as far as giving him an A for that game, but you don't win that game without his three pointers or getting to the free throw line uh, as often as he did. And I'm happy he got to the free throw line because, again, I think this team sometimes, despite well. I was about to say sometimes they, they, they just don't get to the free throw line. That's not true. They get to the free throw line just about as good as anybody in the Big 12, and they're shooting better than anyone once they get there. So uh, it's not a criticism, but but it is, you know, there, there are some of those games where, hey, things just don't go your way, and you're looking, and you're like, man, 
You just didn't get to the free throw line often enough. So um, that wasn't the case. Uh, I, I was proud of uh, that second half. Again, uh, it, it was. We had this conversation on Twitter. It might have been one of Marquise Noel's better individual halves. Um, and when the team is down that big at halftime, staring down another home loss, a second home loss uh, during this bad streak, it, it absolutely was uh, immense that we got that win. And again, Marquise Noel is the leading scorer. Uh, like I said, Keontae Johnson going 6-12 of 12 from 2, 0 of 1 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Um, I thought he played a very good game, and I thought he played great on defense and on rebounding the ball. Marquise Noel grabbing six of those boards, uh, I don't want to take anything away from him, but the reason why he was able to do it, guys like Keontae, guys like Tomlin, Gasson, Ish, these guys were boxing out, and it was the old Bruce Weber style of rebounding. You know, back in the Bruce days, it basically was, he was saying, hey, big guys, get a body on someone, clear out the lane, and let the guards come in and grab those rebounds. And they executed that very well. I I, I have to give a lot of credit there. Uh, Desi Sills got his first start, only one of five from the uh, field, two of four from the free throw line. Uh, He grabbed three rebounds, had three assists, one steal, uh, one turnover, one block. Absolute highlight of a block, by the way. And Desi Sills... Had a lot of hustle out there, um, but the kind of roller coaster that is Desi Sills just basically continued. Another 0 of 3 from 3, 1 of 5 from the field, 34 minutes. I think he played great defense. I think he hustled great, but it was just another one of those games where, all right, you, you just didn't get much from him shooting the ball. Uh, and, and that's really kind of been, and, and quite frankly, we talked about this early in the season while while it was seemingly a new guy every night being that third guy. I think the fact that Desi Sills has not been able uh, to become that consistent, hey, you can depend on him for 10 points a game uh, type of guy. Um, I, I think the fact that he hasn't quite turned into that is is why we ran into some of these slumps, maybe why we didn't realize the ultimate potential of this team. Um, and that's fine. I think Desi Sills, there's a very real chance there's going to be a game either in Kansas City or in the tournament where he takes over and wins you a game. Um, you, you just kind of get a little frustrated that, man, you know, uh, 34 minutes and you couldn't get a little bit more offensively, um, a little frustrating, especially in his first start. Cam Carter, 2 of 3 from 3 point, uh, 0 of 3 from 2. Again, he seems to struggle finishing at the rim. Um, but you do love seeing that shot go down. He had 27 minutes. Tomlin battling a little bit of uh, foul trouble. Only had five points, two field goals, one free throw. Did grab uh, six rebounds. And he had three assists and a steal and a block during his time on the floor. Um, you see all the potential there. There's a reason why Naquan Tomlin shows up in the late second round on some NBA mock drafts already. Um, this, this kid has all the skill. He has all the potential. He just needs to continue to develop his experience when it comes to playing high-quality co- college basketball. Um, 
David gets on only 12 minutes, only two points. Uh, Bebe Igiola, 11 point or 11 minutes, zero points. Didn't attempt a field goal. Um, did grab uh, two uh, rebounds. Not much from either of those guys. You know, I, I fell into this trap. Uh, I know I'm not the only one, but but I think I think uh, I I think we all kind of overhyped the return of David Gasson. Um, and he's had a few good games since he came back, um, but he just is nowhere near. I think the level we all kind of built it up in our heads when he was coming back from injury uh, that he was going to be. Ultimately, I think K State maybe is better off playing small uh, when you're going against teams that don't have that traditional big out there. If you're if you're playing a team that uh, you know Tomlin or Keontae Johnson or even Ish can comfortably guard uh, their biggest guy on the floor the entire game. Uh, quite frankly, I don't see a reason uh, to be playing you know Gasson or Bebe Igiola. Uh, you know, more than 12 to 15 minutes. I think that just kind of is what it is. Uh, final guy uh, from that game, uh, Ishma Sud, ends up with nine points. Uh, and, and if you look at his stat sheet, only three rebounds, uh, two of six from the field, four of four from free throw. And you look at it and you're like, man, okay, what's going on with Ish? Uh, and I don't know how it came across watching, watching on TV, but I think Ishma Sud maybe was the guy who played with some of the most passion, some of the most energy. The guy was throwing his body around, going all out. And, and again, I've I, I've gone back and forth on this because I'm just a fickle podcaster who is just a fan who talks into a microphone for you know almost 600 episodes in the last you know four years, almost five years. Again, I, I'm I'm no better than any of you. I, I'm just as reactionary. I just try to only send out one or two tweets a game. Um, and, and on this podcast, like I said, I've gone back and forth on Ish a million times. But I, I think when you when you want to talk about just pure effort and just uh, sacrifice and throwing everything that you are into a game, I think that's some of the best basketball we've seen from Ish when it comes to uh, all those things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, everyone hates it. But that, that's the type of game that in the old Bruce Weber play hard chart, uh, Ishmael would have had a massive game. Ultimately, uh, it was an ugly game. Ultimately, it was uh, definitely only one half purposes uh, because that first half was ugly. Um, but But you have to... As a fan, you don't have to do anything. But uh, I I look at it, you know, and, and, and it could be half half full, half empty. Again, I can see it both ways. I talked about it up at the front. Is this the get right game? Is this the long? Quite frankly, I don't know. I I I I can't be definitive either way um, because I think this team plays with so much. Uh, emotion and so much momentum and the fact that you do have a massive game uh, both the midweek games from here on out are at home um, but they play so well at home you know can you beat Baylor I mean if you do that all of a sudden this team might have their mojo back they might have their 
you know, swagger back. They might have this momentum that they seem to love to play with. And I could see I could see them winning the final four. I could see them winning out uh, you know, in the regular season and, and making a run at it in uh Kansas City. I one hundred percent could see that. At the same time, they played so bad in that first half that, you know, and again, it's the inverse of Baylor, who, you know, look like they're on their way to boat race KU and Allen Fieldhouse only to get absolutely destroyed going from, you know, being up 12 at halftime to losing a game by 16. Um, it's the inverse of what Baylor did in Lawrence. Um, I, I can't sit here and be definitive saying, hey, you know, this is the get right game. We're going to uh, be good. And, and I can't say, hey, yeah, we're about to get our asses kicked on Tuesday. Um, I have absolutely no clue what to expect really out of the final four games. I would have loved if we just blitzed Iowa State from the jump uh, and I could be a little bit cocky. I could be a little bit uh, more bombastic with what I think is going to happen rest of the way, but I can't. You know, I can't. And I think anyone who is saying, oh, this was the definitive get-right game, everything is fixed, I think they're setting themselves up uh, for possibly for disappointment. Um, but at the end of the day, a win's winning. You take them however you can get them. Um, I, I just think that uh, for better or worse, that first half is preventing me from getting all the way there. And, and, and you know what? Uh, it ultimately doesn't matter what I think. You know, that, that's, that's the glory of... Uh, us being fans, um, Jerome Tang said in his po- po- uh, post game press conference, oh, I don't really pay attention to what the fans are saying, uh, and all that type of stuff. When asked about, you know, how fans have been reacting during this uh, rough stretch, well, first off, uh, you know, and he was like, Oh, I don't read any of it, I don't, I, I don't know what they're saying. Well, that's false, that's false. I, I think this coaching staff, Jerome Tang included are painfully aware of what fans are saying on Twitter, uh, on podcasts, on message boards. You know, I, I think I think they maybe read too much into it. But ultimately, as long as they're not letting that affect them, as long as they're just like, okay, reading it, uh, that's fine. What would I think? What you think? It shouldn't matter. I, only Jerome Tang and only the players can answer it, but it shouldn't matter what they think. Um, and, and they should be going into that game with Baylor, hopefully feeling super confident and ready to put on a show. And, and we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the Baylor matchup is a super intriguing one because here's a team that have the best, maybe the best backcourt, the best guards in the entire nation uh, but they don't have an answer for Keontae Johnson. They don't have an answer for Naquan Tomlin. You know, we, we saw this crazy offensive shootout the last time we played Baylor. Yes, 100%. It was like an ESPN Classics type of game if ESPN Classics was still doing instant classics. Um, but I think you need to exploit the fact that, hey, they don't have you know, stretch fours. They don't have guys who can go toe-to-toe with Keontae Johnson, 
with Naquan Tomlin. And I do think because of the style that Baylor plays and the way uh, they want to play with their three-headed monsters at guard, I do think this is another game that Desi Sills needs uh, to start. You know, I think this is another game where uh, as long as foul trouble isn't an issue, your three bench guys with Ish Masood, with Bebe Igiola, with David Gasson, uh, you're hopefully not having to play any one of those guys more than 12 to 15 minutes. Um, if things are going right, I think that's the way things the way uh, things will go. Now, I'm not going to predict us to beat Baylor. I'm not going to predict us to sweep them, no. Um, so, yes, gun to my head, I would say uh, I, I predict us to lose. But you know what? Uh, playing at home, anything can happen. And uh, I, I think that you probably really want to grab that one because Oklahoma State is starting to find a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence themselves. And, uh, you know, Saturday is going to be a big one just to kind of get this idea of, oh, hey, we can win away from Bramlage. Uh, winning a road game. Luckily, you know, you only have two true road games at Oklahoma State, at West Virginia, and then from there, you know, you're playing in uh, Kansas City, and then you're in the NCAA tournament. But um, as we talked about earlier in the show, uh, you know, you're sitting on the three line right now. Uh, you take care of business. You go, if you were to go three and one, and then uh, one and one or two and one in Kansas City, uh, folks, you're going to have a number three seed Kansas State Wildcats. Um, and that puts you in a position to make some noise. So, yeah, I mean, it's always good to beat Iowa State. Uh, seeing how their fans react on Twitter after that game, just absolute chef's kiss. Always warms the soul to beat Iowa State. Um, and it's a massive one on Tuesday. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, I, I hope it is a great crowd um it's 6 p.m on a tuesday again tough for people in kansas city wichita to get there i have uh found home uh, a home for my two tickets got a lot of stuff going on at the secret day job uh so i won't be able to make it my tickets will be used so you know find someone uh to use them if you if you can't make it i think they're selling um some extra seats uh, for section 24 and 25. Uh, so if you're looking for some cheap tickets uh, that are GA, go to kstatesports.com. I'm hoping it's a good atmosphere. I'm hoping it can give uh, the guys the energy um, that they seemingly really need. And, and again, you find a way to beat Baylor. Um, that could jumpstart everything because uh, we, we saw what taking care of them uh, did for us early in the season. So if you could get another one over on Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears and what I think will hopefully be a top 15 matchup. I don't know if we'll drop out of the top 15 or not, um, but definitely another top 20 matchup. Uh, and, you know, it's a perfect time to start finding your swagger. Late February, perfect time to start finding, uh, you know, what the new peak could be. So that's all I have. Uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting one on Tuesday. Um, I'll be, uh, I will be sprinting down from my office down to the man cave to watch that game on Tuesday when work uh, wraps up. So, uh, you know, buckle up. I- I'm sure it's going to be a fun one. So that's all we have. It's always a great day to beat 
those Iowa State Cyclones, those weirdos from Iowa. Um, and yeah, let's hope for a great run-in. Let me know your thoughts. Am I being a little too harsh on that first half respect or first half uh, performance? Um, what are your thoughts on the NCAA selection committee coming out and say, hey, if the season would have ended on Friday, K-State would have been a three seed? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, Denver, Des Moines, where do you want K-State to be playing in the opening rounds of the NCAA tournament? And uh, are you going to be going to the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City? I mean, it's going to be a fucking brawl every single game. It's going to be one of the more fun uh uh, Big 12 tournaments here in Kansas City. So uh, tweet at Bosco's boys, at Scott Wildcat. Give me any thoughts, what you guys think. Uh, it's going to be another fun week of Big 12 basketball. Um, looking to have something football-related tomorrow. Uh, still working on a couple uh, possible guests. I'm going to get, a, hopefully, a guest on tomorrow's show. Um, but until then, that's all I have. I'm done rambling. I hope you guys had a great weekend. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, best dog in the world, we love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Podcast Network.